do I have to pray again? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's get started. <laughs> so there's this. So there's a um, this couple standing on a um, edge of a river fishing, and um, they've just gotten their lines in the, into the water. And about five minutes in, someone comes floating down the river, screaming for help. So they drop their poles and they swim as hard and as fast as they can out and pull the person to safety. And uh, after she catches her breath, she you know she thanks them for saving her life, right? And she goes on about her business and. They return to fishing. And um, sure enough, about five minutes later, another person comes floating down the river, screaming, help, help, help. So they, again, drop their poles, swim as hard, as fast as they can out, pull the gentleman to safety. And then once he catches his breath, um, thanks them for saving his life and goes on about their business. And goes on about his business, they again return to fishing. And this same scenario happened over and over again over the course of of um, about 20, 25 minutes. And so at some point after saving one of these people, they decided to go upstream and see if they could figure out where all these people were coming from. And so they headed upstream, and when they got there, they saw a bunch of people sitting on the ground, and there was this big bully, and about every five minutes, he was literally picking people up and tossing them into the, into the water. And so they were faced with what I would call a moment of truth. They have three options, and every option has its own set of consequences. Option one, they can do nothing. They can just pretend like it's not going on. They can go someplace else and fish. I don't have to be here with this. The, the downside of that is, of course, it is going on. And you know it's going on. Even if you're ignoring it, you do know that it's actually still happening. And in this particular case, someone's getting hurt in the process. But it is still one of the options. Option two, they can go back upstream and they can just keep swimming out there pulling people to safety. The downside of that, of course, is that sooner or later you're going to get tired of swimming out there and pulling people to safety. You can certainly can keep doing it, but sooner or later you're not going to be able to swim anymore because you're going to be tired of swimming and saving people. But it is, in fact, it is in fact one of the options. Or option three, they can just confront the bully head on. Now, obviously, the downside of that is they can find themselves tossed into the water. So there is some risk involved. But in reality, the only way to deal with the issue, the only way to resolve the issue, is to deal with the issue. I mean, it's the only way to get to a resolution is to actually deal with it. And I would say that every day, whether you are a dissident leader or a dissident follower, we face moments of truth every single day. Should I deal with it? Should I try to work around it? Should I ignore it? Um, a lot of that has to do with how I may feel that particular day or how comfortable I am dealing with the person that I would have to deal with. You know, is, it, is the juice worth the squeeze? So we deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis. The reality is that leadership and discomfort are inseparable. So I'm going to repeat that because it's important. Mm -hmm. Leadership and discomfort are inseparable. So if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not leading because it comes with the territory. Leadership is full of ups, downs, highs, lows, celebrations, disappointments. No matter, where, no matter what seat you're sitting in because leadership and discomfort are inseparable. And we have to remember that as we engage in what I would call difficult dialogue. In light of some of the things that we talked about last week and some of the things that some, a few of you shared would be of interest to you, I thought that I thought about probably one of the most uncomfortable situations any leader or follower could be in is a situation when you have to 
have a difficult conversation with someone. Whether it's personal conversation, whether it's at work, whatever it is, whether it's do I say something at the restaurant when I didn't get the service I expected, whatever it is, I think that this is probably one of the more uncomfortable situations and one of the most uncomfortable moments of truth that we actually face. Nevertheless, we can't in any way get around it. Now, when I say, when I say um, difficult dialogue, what am I talking about? One is, I'm talking about a conversation that is emotionally charged. So, when we have this conversation, there is some emotion that's involved in the conversation. It doesn't mean anyone's going to explode, it doesn't mean anyone's going to start crying, but I'm saying because you can have an emotional conversation and not be either of those extremes, right? So, but it's an emotional issue. Number two, there's high stakes. So, it's a conversation where it's emotionally charged and there's something to be lost by having the conversation. There's something to be gained, much like confronting that bully. There's something to be gained in that it could stop people from being tossed into the water. But there's also something to be lost, as in, I can become one of the people that gets tossed into the water. Right? So it's emotionally charged. There are high stakes. It is sensitive in nature. So there's some sensitivity around the thing that we're going to be talking about. And then finally, there's more than one opinion present. So the thing that I'm going to be talking to you about, you don't actually agree with me on. If you agree with me, it doesn't actually qualify with the kind of conversation I'm talking about. So, for instance, if you were talking to someone about their performance or their behavior, and they agree that their behavior is bad, then it's not a difficult conversation, because they actually already agree with you. I'm talking about when they don't agree with you, so you know there's going to be a difference of opinion that comes to the table. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about engaging in difficult dialogue. And no matter where you sit in an organization, no matter where you sit in your life, you can't escape them. You, if you attend church here, you can't escape them. Those conversations, I think of all the times that I've had to talk to Dave about his behavior on that front row. I'm going to send you over to children's ministry. <laughs> you said you weren't going to help. I said, ah. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> so, you can't get around the conversation. And there are some people who are more comfortable with the conversation than others, but I don't know anyone who's completely comfortable with it. And what I would share with you is that you just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because you have to have the conversation. <laughs> so you have to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable, recognizing that discomfort comes with it. If I'm feeling uncomfortable before I have this conversation, that is actually the norm. That's how I should feel. Because I'm about to engage in some difficult, in a difficult conversation. So, with that in mind, because we are, as we talked last week, when we went through, excuse me, two weeks ago, when we were looking at 1 Peter, 1 and 2 chapters, we tried to glean some foundational truths. I see these conversations as an opportunity for us to reflect Christ in the workplace. I see it as an opportunity, a reason to have that conversation. I thought about today with Randy, I heard, heard that your testimony before, moved by it just as much today as I was the first time I heard it. And this idea of broken copiers and broken lives, that should be your biography, by the way, which is, I'm just, I wrote it down, I was like, he needs to write a book. I mean, I would buy it. I mean, it just gets my attention, like, broken copiers, broken lives, what is that about? Anyway, I get a little percentage if you make money on it. If you don't sell it, that was not my idea. So, but because we are, because I see this as an opportunity, I wanted to come back to these foundational truths that we have to remember why are we in the workplace? That we are 
exiles, sojourners, and strangers in this world, and that this country, North America itself, is not our home. And so work is just one more stop on the journey to our actual home as we're working our as we're walking our way to the New Jerusalem that you talked about today, that you read about today. So we are, and because of that, we are also to live differently, and we will endure trials, and our trials have a purpose. The second thing I want to say, because I'm going to share with you a model for having a conversation, but I don't want this to turn into psychobabble. I think the model works. But for us, it's a way of executing the very thing that God has commanded us to do. And so now how do I go and do it? The second thing I, would want, to, I want to bring to your attention is that there are, some, there are some scriptures that we need to take with us into these conversations. So this one here, I'm going to step back. I took some um, liberty and combined the ESV and the NIV, because I like the way one said the first part and the other said the second part. But the first part of this Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I like the way that was worded. I like the way that was worded because, because it says let no corrupting talk come out. It, it is focused on the impact of my words. So, right, so it's, it's, I should not let any words come out of my mouth that are going to be corrupting to the person who's actually receiving the words. So as we think about engaging in these conversations, oftentimes in the workplace, this conversation is about exertion of power, or it's about me telling you what I think, or telling you off, or giving you a piece of my mind, or whatever it is. But for us, this is an opportunity to reflect Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right. So, but then the second part says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So that as we're going into this conversation, the goal here is to build up. That is ultimately what the goal is. The goal is, I have no control over how you're going to respond to it. I have no control over whether you're going to change as a result of it. Thus, all rests with you. I can't make any of that happen. But I do need to make sure that as I go into this conversation that I've got this in mind. Amen. The second one I would, I would share with you is, may these words, again, I like the way the NIV, I'm mean, actually read ESV, but I like these words, may these words of my mouth and this meditation in my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So again, as you think about going into this conversation, remembering those foundational truths, remembering these scriptures that are to shape how we're going to have this kind of, what our goal is in this conversation, and then finally, to pray. Me to pray. Um, I, I can remember for years in my last job, I can tell you that it was there was rare a day, rarely a day that went by that my prayer wasn't that God would allow me to judge properly in the affairs of men because I was the hiring and firing person. So therefore, let me see clearly. You know, let me judge properly because I'm impacting people's lives if I make that decision. Or if I say we're going to be making that decision. So these conversations require prayer. And here's a few things I think we should pray about. First of all, to see the world through their eyes. If I'm concerned about corrupting talk or talk that is going to corrupt the person who receives it, then I have to know something about how they see the world. So God, help me to see the world through that person's eyes. Not through my eyes, because I don't need you to help me see it through my eyes. I see it really clearly through my eyes. So, two, that he would soften hearts, both mine and theirs. Not that they will soften their hearts so they will receive what I say. No, soften my heart too. Soften my heart also. Three and four, give me the words to say. Give me the words to say. My goal is that they will receive, and I'm certainly going to pray for it, but also, as equally as important, guide my response 
so that it honors you. So however they re- react to or this conversation, let my response to that bring glory to you. Because remember, this is yet another opportunity for me to reflect Christ in the workplace or in a relationship. Because this doesn't have to simply be about work. Any, converse, any difficult conversation you have to have. And let my reaction or my response to them honor you. Amen? A little louder, amen? Amen. amen. Forget you continue at a black Baptist church with this brother. Right here. <laughs> amen. Amen. There we go. All right. Help me out up here. <laughs> That's good. Here you go. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right. So, what are some examples of difficult dialogue before we get into the model? Telling your in-laws to stop interfering. I'm going to guess, probably a little tough conversation. I don't know how often Andre just walked down the hall and told my mother to stop interfering in our lives, but I'm guessing none. <laughs> because I would know <laughs> that it may occur. Because as lovely as that woman is, she's a strong woman. So now she does a good job of staying out of things. She, she makes it her mission to do so. But telling in-laws to stop interfering. Discussing poor performance with someone that you're supervising. How about giving your supervisor feedback about their behavior? I think that would be a tough conversation to have with someone. Right? Or talking to a friend who isn't keeping commitments. Be another example of a difficult conversation. So today, two things I want to say. Two things about the model or about our process today. One is, what I'm going to share with you is typically a two to four hour, two hour at a minimum, four hour workshop. So we're not going to be here that long, obviously. Um, So I've tried to pare it down as much as I can. If we don't get through whatever we're going to get through today, I will pick it up next week, and then we'll just continue and finish up with next week also. So we will get through what I want to share with you. I just want to make you be aware that in case the time gets away, I'm just going to stop so we can end on time. And we'll pick it up, and then maybe it'll make you have to come back next week. So, um, So all right. So talking to a friend who has a keeping commitments. The other thing I would say about, about this today is that I want you to use an actual conversation. So when I do this as a workshop, I ask people to come prepared with the conversation they need to have so that by the time they walk out of the workshop, they're ready to actually go have the conversation Mm -hmm. because they've actually come in here and outlined what they're planning on doing and then going out and using it. For our purposes today, um, there is going to be a little bit of sharing um, here, just a couple places. And again, in the interest of time, I can't let you spend a lot of time doing that. But what I'd like you to think about is, based on that definition, which is actually at the top of the sheet, the characteristics of difficult dialogue, I'd like you to just, oh, did you get a sheet? You didn't? Your dog, did your dog eat your sheet? <laughs> so, with that in mind, what I'd like you to do is just jot down an example of either a conversation that you need to have or a conversation that you have had. You go, you know, I've had that conversation before in the past and it would qualify as a difficult conversation because you're going to use that conversation, that example, to walk through the model. And you don't have to tell anyone if it's about, you know, like, Dave, do you want to switch over? Because I'm sure Susan's going to use lots of stuff about you. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, uh, oh, you too, Reggie, I'm sure, Gail, me and your partner. So, if you would, though, jot something down, a conversation that you either need to have or have had in the past, and we'll use that as we go through the model. So, just take a couple of minutes and do that.
Anyone, anyone willing to share their example? And you don't have to, but if, if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear it. Please. Readers, I should say to everyone, does anybody know what the Reader's Digest is? I, I say that in a group of people, and they're like, what in the world is the Reader's Digest? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old they are. Like, well, the short version of what the conversation is. So you got one? Okay. Love it. Bring it. All right. Um, I'm at my former job. I had a supervisor. I was with her for eight years. And we did not I tried my best to get along and also had a lot of sin towards her as well. Even though I had to constantly repent and because I wasn't always kind to her. But I know that when my heart was right, you know, a lot of times she was just nagging me and just putting me down. And, and one day I finally went to her and I finally said to her, I said, I just want to let you know, I don't know if you realize this, but when you... When you say, when you say that I'm not doing my job the way that I'm supposed to be doing, and then you say it in front of everybody else, you know, and this should be really a, pri- I would think it would be a private conversation. Or if you say that um, you don't want me here because of my um, my abilities to do certain things, and there's certain things that I couldn't do on the job, you know, take me aside. And talk to me about that privately. Yeah. You know, not in front of every everybody, so everybody can hear. Yeah. You know. Yes. And um, I would do that. She would be good for a few days, and then she'd be back yeah. the same because she she can't change herself. Mm-hmm. She's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. She's not born again, so she doesn't have the power to change herself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to really look at that and say, okay, Lord, I need to change myself. I need to. You can change me, you know, look at my heart and continue to show me my area where I need to improve. Mm-hmm. But how I can be a blessing to her is by praying for her. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I prayed for her for And it makes a difference. I'm no longer there. Yeah. The job. But it makes a difference, though. You know, I love your approach because what you're talking about is reflecting Christ in workplace. I try. Yeah. And, and, and you can't do any more than try. <laughs> You can't do any more than try. Thank you for sharing that. That certainly qualifies as a difficult conversation. So you now have one. So let's talk about the model itself. The first thing I want to tell you is that I believe that the more sensitive the conversation is, the more strategic you need to be in having the conversation. So I'm not talking about a, a, a conversation where it's suddenly in your face. So... Someone's just suddenly in your face saying something and you're at, you know, you go from zero to 100. I'm talking about you have time to actually plan to have the conversation. You know you're going to have the conversation. By the way, a couple of really good books. One of them is Crucial Conversations. um, And the other one is called Crucial Confrontations. And one deals with, conversations deals with the subject matter tonight. Confrontation deals with being confronted. Uh, But really, really, really helpful books. So, that being said... The model is made up of four questions, four what I call four strategic questions. One is, what is the desired outcome? What do you plan to say? How are they likely to react? And how will you respond? So that's the plan. What is the desired outcome? What do you plan to say? How are they likely to react? And how will you respond? There should be a box on your handout for each of those. 
So what is the desired outcome? What I want you to think about when you think about this conversation is you need to think about what I call a 30-second walkaway message. And the walkaway message, simply stated, is what is the thing that you want them to, if they don't remember anything else about this conversation, that's the message you want them to get. Whatever it is. So in your, in your example, I want you to, I want her to know that I need her to take me aside and talk to me one-on-one. So no matter whether you said those words or not, and I know you said you did, whether you use the words or not is not what I'm talking about. But you, this is the message that you want them to get. So when they walk away, if they don't get that message, then, you, then the, con- the, the conversation has failed because you want them to get that message. Sometimes that message is, I want you to stop being rude to me. You may or may not, in that conversation, go up to someone and say, I need you to stop being rude to me. You see what I mean by, you may or may not use those words. But the message you need to be clear on because you're going to say, now how is the best way to deliver that particular message? So it differs, which is why I say it differs from the content of the conversation. Not always, but oftentimes it does. Um, so it differs from what we're going to actually talk about because it's just a statement of fact that says this is what the message I want them to get. We good there? Alright. All right. So, here's what I'd like you to do. Using the scenario that you selected, write a possible walkaway message. So in this conversation that you either have had or you need to have, what do you want that person to know when that conversation is over or what did you want them to know when the conversation is over? Remember, it should be a statement of fact. So it shouldn't be a question. It should be something you want them to know. Or the message you want to deliver. When when we're done having this conversation, I want to make sure that they know that. Because that's the central message of this discussion. think this, as you, a couple of you are finishing up and take your time, what do you, why do you think having, having this message, knowing what this message is, is so important in this conversation? I actually have something coming up this week where I'm having a meeting with my boss about some okay. things with me yes. and the company in the future, and it was actually, I had a hard time thinking about what my actual point was, so I think this was good for me hmm. to actually write down what the point was, yeah. because... As you said, they're emotionally charged, and maybe that point wouldn't have come across the right way. Okay. Very good. I think at the end of the day, it would be the equivalent of you taking off in your car, headed somewhere without having an actual place, without a, knowing where you're headed. So you could say to me, you know, which direction do I go? And I'd have to say, well, where are you going? And I'd also have to say, where are you starting from? 
Because that's all going to make a difference in which direction. So much like you'll see as we walk through this model, by having an idea, think of this as the North Star. And everything that you're going to do in that conversation is designed to keep us on, path, on the path toward that message. Because during emotional conversations, we have tendency, as you'll see in a little bit, there's a tendency to get off track. Um, and get caught up in things that really have nothing to do with the thing that we were actually talking about. And so we end up getting off track and not really having the conversation that we want to have. So agree. Yes, the key there is that that gives you the target that you are shooting for. Thoughts, comments? Please, this may be getting ahead, but ultimately, could this be something that you want to summarize at the end of the conversation to make sure there is clarity? Absolutely. The message was received. Absolutely, not getting ahead at all. Absolutely, um, I think it's you know depending on your depending on the the conversation and the person that you're having a conversation with, um, it becomes even more important to do that at the end. Because I think for me, it's important for me to make sure that. Back to that clarifying and confirm that we talked about last week at the end. So it's important for me to make sure that you actually heard what I said and we were in agreement of what I do, what I've always, always, not always, but what I try, I've tried to do I mean, from a leadership standpoint in particular, but even with my own bosses, after one of those conversations, is I send them an email and say, this is what I understand we're supposed to be, we're agreeing to. So that I can make sure I fully understood what he said. So that I don't, again, start down some road only later for him to come back and say, that's not what I told you to do. No, that's... This email is confirmation is exactly what you told me to do, right? And then vice versa, if I've had that conversation with um, someone on my team, I've not followed that up with something in writing so that there's clarity. Because one of the things that writing does force you to do is it forces you to be clear. Um, unlike conversation. Conversation, I get this. That was the hardest thing about writing my book was that I thought the, hard, the scary part about writing the book was that I can't now explain to you what I meant. It's, you're going to interpret what I mean, and you're going to draw your own conclusions. Whereas from the stage, I can see your face and think if I need to go a little further, or you can ask me a question. Um, so I was putting myself out there in a way that I couldn't, I could never defend myself after that. It's just once it's out there, it's out there. So mm -hmm. I think making sure writing forces you to be really, really exact about what you mean. So mm -hmm. good question, Dave. Other question, comment? All right, my friends. So now, what do you plan to say? So, two things I want to say about that. First of all, I want you to keep in mind the hazardous half minute. And that's that first 30 seconds of the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> because once they're out, they're out. I mean, there's no getting them back in. There, I mean, sometimes you can say, okay, I didn't mean it that way. Let's start over again. We can do all of that. But actually, once you've said it to me, you've actually said it to me. And if what you said was hurtful, it's still hurtful even when you apologize and say, let's start over again. It doesn't change the feeling that I'm experiencing, right? So the first 30 seconds in this conversation become critically important because I want to make sure that I say something that sets the stage for the conversation that we're about to have. And there's no right or wrong thing to say, but again, considering your walkaway message, your North Star, what are the things that you want to say at the beginning of this conversation? And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But that first 30 seconds is critically important because it sets the tone for the rest of the conversation. I want to share with you a model that I refer to as observation, importance, and want. And this is a way of structuring. Huh? Is it out? Or is it, oh, I know you out. <laughs> oh, out. Oh, it is. Well, I don't know. It could be ouch. <laughs> Let's work on that. Yeah. <laughs> we may change it and make it fit what you want it to be. I like that. I've recently changed. I recently changed the model to the cake model. <laughs> so, observation, importance, and one. And this is just a way of structuring what you were about to say. So, let me show you what I mean by that. 
observation, the first part of this is I'm going to describe what I saw, what I heard, what, whatever. I'm using observation, but whatever it is, right? So it is the thing that you saw, heard, whatever, experienced. Why is it, and then why is this observation important, right? So observation, why is it important? What is the, and I'm going to come back to this, but what is the effect of the behavior? So when I talk about why is it when we use, I'm going to use this, this particular example multiple, a couple of different times tonight because it's so simple. But let's use the idea of someone being late. So why that's important, why that's important is the effect of that behavior that when you're not here, someone has to do your work for you. See what I mean? When you're not here, I'm left here waiting for you to arrive. Whatever it is, whatever that thing is, that's why it's important. So it is, what, what did I observe? What is the thing? Why is that thing important? Why is that observation important? And what do I want to happen? So what do I want to be different now that I brought you to this, brought to your attention? And going back here into your example, you were asking for her to respond differently. Right? If you have, I'm okay with you saying those things, but I want you to say them to me in private. That's what I'm asking for. So what I want to be different, what do I want to happen now as a result of that? So observation, importance, one. Remember, the more sensitive the subject, the more strategic the conversation. So all you're trying to do is, you're not going to stay in this box because it's going to be a conversation that's going to flood. But these are the things you want to make sure you're clear on before you go in there to have the conversation. So, amen? Amen. 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 I think I should say that's cool on that one. That's, that's cool. okay. Is that cool? All right, let's move on. All right, so describe what you observe. Why, sorry, that's so dark. Why these observations are important, the results or effects of behavior, and what do you want to happen? So let me give you a couple of hints to help you with this. First of all, be willing to acknowledge that it's difficult. You don't, there is nothing wrong at the beginning of a conversation in saying, what I'm about to talk to you about is really, really hard for me to say, so therefore I'm going to just say it, and then we can see if we can figure out how I can say it better. But I just need to get it out so we can have this. Does that make sense? So this is it. Now what I'm not talking about is me spending 15 minutes explaining to you how I lost sleep last night thinking about talking to you and that's not what I'm talking about because nobody cares and, I'm, and you're leaving me hanging. It's so important that you call a meeting with me and it's so important that you want to tell me it's uncomfortable but you're going to spend the first 10 minutes telling me how rough your night was because you were tossing and turning thinking about talking to me and I'm going, just, I mean, you know, you've got, now you've got me hyped up. So, but I am saying it is perfectly okay to acknowledge, and I think important to acknowledge, if it's something that's difficult to talk about, then say it's difficult to talk about. I mean, this is, this is a hard conversation to have, and I'm even a little uncomfortable having it, but I think I have to. And most people will then prepare themselves for something difficult that you're about to say. I know I'm about to be challenged because of the fact that you framed it that way. Make sense? Stay with the observable versus your gut feeling. This will come up again later. What I mean by that is, don't get into the why you think they did what they did. And I think the reason why you're always, the reason why their report is always late, because I think you probably spent too much time talking to people and uh, 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 none of that matters. It does matter, but why does it matter? I'll get it here in a second. The why of their behavior rests with them. The moment I begin to start trying to explain why they do what they do, we'll end up in an argument about whether that's why they do what they do, which has nothing to do with stopping behavior, right? What's most important, so if every time, what's your name? I know you're told John. John. Such a hard name to remember. There's the Apostle John. So, so if every time I pass John, he sticks his leg out and trips me, okay? So I can come to John and what do you 
difficult conversation to have. So I'm going to come and have a conversation with him about tripping me. What I don't want to do is, in that conversation, start talking to him about why I think he trips me. I think the reason you tripped me is because you don't like guys who wear jeans with black sweaters. Because all that stuff is just putting him on the defensive, which he's going to feel the need to defend. Well, that's no, that's nothing. I I have everything against people who wear black sweaters. Some of my best friends wear black sweaters. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, we're in this heated debate about something that has nothing to do with what? Stop tricking me. I mean, that's the takeaway message. The takeaway message is just wanting to stop. Now, I'm not saying that my understanding why he does what he does isn't, wouldn't be important in this relationship. That's not what I'm saying. But why he does it ultimately rests with him. It doesn't rest with me. I would love for him to share. I'd love to have that kind of relationship where I can understand my relationship with my wife works because we understand those whys behind behavior. That's a different relationship. In this particular case, I don't necessarily need to know that, but if, if it would help us in this, if it would help me help him not trip me, that would be, that would be great. Because he might say, the only reason that's happening is because you just have a knack for walking by when I'm stretching. See, I've got this medical condition, I have to stretch every two, 20 seconds. <laughs> now all of a sudden, I'm feeling bad. Oh my God, I need to bring up your medical condition. Are you okay? Did your parents have that condition? I mean, you know what I'm talking Have you ever been in that spiral? And you're just like, in this conversation, it has nothing to do with stop tripping me. So, I mean, which is, if you start doing that, we're good. So, stay with the observable versus the gut feeling. The other thing about your gut feeling is that once you have one, you start looking for evidence to support it. Because once I decide this is why you do what you do, I then start looking for all the evidence that supports what I feel. Because I need that in order to make sense of my world. It's a very normal thing to do. But that's why we want to stay with what we actually are observing and not so much our feeling about it. I've got that feeling, but I'm going to hold it loosely until we have our conversation. Because that becomes, it may play into our discussion. But I tell you, you will find yourself, once we decide, once we decide that a person is a certain way, we can figure out everything about them, why they do what they do. And it all ties back to that thing we believe to be true about them. So, stay with the observable, not the gut feeling, the why their behavior rests with them. A couple of phrases, actually there's several phrases, and I'll share this PowerPoint if I, I know there's a lot of stuff up here. But I like, in this conversation with someone, typically, what, depending on the conversation, I am interested in giving you an opportunity to share your perspective on what we're talking about, which is why I want to stay with what I observed. What I observed was that he tripped me. That's undisputable, right? That's, that's a fact. So, but I do want him to have an opportunity, or whoever I'm talking to, to have an opportunity to be able to give me their perspective. So I like things like correct me if I'm wrong, help me understand, clarify something for me. You know, you said that you were going to do X, Y, Z, and this is what happened, and they don't look like they're the same. So help me understand how they're the same. So I'm assuming that you mean to be consistent, but I could come in and say you're not being consistent in your behavior. You tell me one thing and then you do something else. <laughs> Again. The observation, why it's important, and what I want to be different. So, a few phrases that I found helpful. Um, I need your help. Um, is it possible that? It appears that? All ways of not dancing, because I remember, I'm telling you the direct, community, like, I want to tell you exactly what I think, so I'm not into dancing around issues. This is just helping me, this is helping me not put people in the defensive when I, in my direct style. Because now I'm, I'm leaving it open for the fact that I could be wrong, in my conclusion, not a, my observation, my observation, unless it was something I saw at a distance, and people said, "No, that's not what we were doing. What we were doing over there was such and such thing." So, make sense? Yes, please, sir. It seems like I've heard a different uh, 
sort of title for this approach in a sense, but come uh, with uh, inquire versus accuse. You know, you, you come in kind of asking questions, and there's a Absolutely. there's humility that's kind of baked into this yes. that I think is disarming and I like that. helps with yeah. really, really the conversation. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly. Let me tell you what I don't like. They train you on this stuff all the time. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called now, but this thing where I'm going to tell you something positive, and then I'm going to tell you something negative, and then I'm going to tell you something positive at the end. That sandwich thing they talk about. That's what we do in preschool. Okay. Tell parents stuff about the kids. At the end of the day, I can tell you this. The moment you start telling me that, I know there's something bad. So I'm just all I'm doing is blocking out everything until you get to the thing you're wanting, wanting me to know. So it doesn't work for me. It makes me, drives me crazy and I would never do it to someone. I feel like I just need to tell you, again, this is hard to talk about. I know this is this and whatever. I can interweave some stuff about that is going well, but I'm talking about this, you know, Dave, I, you know, you really are a really sharp dresser. Thank you. Um, but um, you got to stop coming late to work. Mm-hmm. But I do like your shoes. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what, my point might get lost in all that complimenting me. As opposed to just, how about the respect to tell you what I, what's going on? Well, I was just going to say, because I agree with you. Uh-huh. I really do. But if, like, as far as when you're talking with someone, though, sometimes isn't it a good idea? Sometimes to let them know some of the good things that they're doing, too. Like, as goals, like, I, you're doing this really well. We need to work on this. Personally... Yeah. You're asking me. I think I should be telling you you're doing good when you're doing good. Yeah. And I should be telling you you're not doing good when you're not. Okay. So so there should, I should have built up a record of sharing with you how well you're doing long before we have this difficult conversation. Does that make sense? That does but, but I'm not saying that in that moment there might not, we're not talking about performance evaluation. I think it just depends on what it is. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I do, but I like that you brought it up because I think what's important is to remember, I'm making deposits in the bank every time I tell you you do something well. <coughs> I always assume that in any relationship, sooner or later, we're going to hit a, a sticking point. Yeah. So if I can do everything I can prior to that sticking point to build respect and a strong relationship and trust and all those things, it'll make that sticking point go so much better, yeah. right? And so, and so I do want to, but, but there are times when, yes, I, so I wouldn't make I'm it as a like mistake. No, no, but yeah, yes, you're right, it does lose your point. Yes, at some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but remembering to, if people are doing things well, share. And, and, and here's another thing we think of feedback for feedback from the uh, leader to the person who's following. Feedback from the follower to the leader is critically important. Uh, some are willing to receive and some aren't, but some followers are willing to receive and some aren't. But the more I, the more you understand about the best way to lead me, the more successful we can both be. So I think for us as dissident leaders and dissident followers, one of our primary objectives is that as a leader, I want to make it as easy as possible for the people to follow me. So when I think about my relationship with my wife, and I think about the, the scriptures, the scripture is very clear on our position before God. Her, any, any resistance she has to that is between her and God. My job is to make it as easy as possible for her to do what God has commanded her to do. Which means I serve her. Which is what gets her doing the wanting to do what God is. Because I want to make it as easy as possible. On the opposite side, from a following standpoint, you want to make it, and it kind of goes to something you said today, Randy. What kind of employee should we be? You want to make it as easy as possible for people to lead you. You want to be the person that, they may not say it to you, but you want to be the person they're like, you might never have to think about Dave or whatever. I never have to think about Susan. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're just, they take care of business, they get things done, and I don't find myself worrying about them. That's the employee that we want. That's the, the dissident follower that we want to be. 
um, so that it stands out that way. So, again, how can I make that easy for them? Is that cool? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I told you. That's my speaking. That's the speaker talking. Sorry. I told I knew it was going to slip out sooner or later. <laughs> All right. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you, using your scenario, to write a possible observation, importance, and one statement. And time is going to run out on us. So we're good. We'll make it work. observe, why is it important, and what do you want to be different? And then once you've done that, so keep going, with someone near in your row, if you would then share that statement with them. You guys briefly share your observation, importance, and one statement. Once you've done that, if you would, just someone next to you, if you would share your, what you came up with with them, see if it, and then you can judge whether it meets the criteria or not.
That's good. Keep, keep talking. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. oh, please do. As you're sharing, what came to mind is God told David to accommodate David. Yes, how he when the Lord spoke to him, just all the more validated the big picture of how God David. So I think you touched that good, and I don't know when you see you got to know this person you see what they've done yes. overall they've done No, you're good. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's resonating. Good, man. Hey, let's come back together. Let's come back together. So, I um, hope that was helpful. hope that was helpful. I, you know, I think that there's such opportunity to, for, us to, for us to learn from each other. And uh, in particular, in some situations, even as Reggie and I were talking, if you think about um, even even the, the way in which God has commanded us in terms of going to a brother or a sister and talking with them when they've been overcome with the fall and whatever those things are. What it doesn't lay out for me is how to do it. I'm just supposed to do it. This is the beginning of like how to execute the thing that he's telling me to do. Because those can be really, really difficult conversations to have. And I think I have to go back to that original scripture, that we, the first one we looked at today, and that is that it's, for, it's designed for building up. And sometimes, frequently, Building up means I talk with you about something that you don't want to hear. Because that is what is going to build you up. It's not always about how it's affecting me. It's about how it's affecting you. And I can't tell you over the years the number of times that I've had someone say to me and work, you know, no one has ever said that to me before. And I think, wow. And you know what I've said? And that is unfortunate because you do it all the time. I mean, it's all, I mean, like everybody knows and how unfortunate people haven't told you. You know what I'm saying? Because we tend to not do that. And so how important it is for me to demonstrate how much I care about you by sharing with you what, what, what's going on. I've always said I want the people on my team, I need you to tell me when I have broccoli in my team. Period. 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 Don't worry about how I'm going to react. Let me worry about that. You just don't let me walk out there in front of that crowd with broccoli in my team. Tell me. That's why I carry dental floss in my purse. That's important. Somebody asked me why I have dental floss. Because you usually get broccoli in your (laughs) Good to know. Next time I have broccoli, I'm calling them. (laughs) Just so you know. Okay, so in in the interest of time, though, I moved ahead. Next week, what we'll do is we'll look at what how are they likely to react. And the reaction, what's interesting about the reaction is that I'm gonna go, we're gonna go through four of them, but the interesting thing about the reaction is that it's critical to understand what's behind the reaction. 
So what, it's not so much that what they said, but really what's behind what they're saying. Because if I can understand the hidden message behind someone when they're being defensive or when they're blaming me or whatever it is, that'll help me know how to respond to keep the conversation on track. Because again, as an example, one, one that we'll talk about is blame and counterattack. Well, you do it too. You, right. That whole thing, right? Because then we end up, and, and so number one, I would say if you do it too, then you probably shouldn't be talking to them about doing it. But either way, <laughs> but the reality is you can end up in an argument about whether you do something or don't do something. And that has nothing to do with the fact that he keeps tripping me. You see what I'm saying? So, but if I understand what's behind those words, which is often just me basically saying, I'm not the villain in this story. You're the villain in this story. Because I don't want to be the villain. And so how can I respond knowing that that's where they're coming from? So next week we'll look a little more in depth at each of these, not all responses, but four pretty common responses you have in this conversation. I would like to share one little thing as we get out of here. So CPR, I said every week I wanted to share something that I thought would help last week was, I forgot, um, Clarify and confirm. Clarify and confirm. Content pattern relationship is what CPR stands for. It's important in any conversation that you're having with someone, particularly a conversation like this, but it's important to know what is it that you are, what is the real issue that's at hand? I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone, and when you finished talking to them, you walked away from that conversation feeling, still feeling like something got missed. Um, some, something got missed. Um, you probably have even experienced taking something back to the store for the fourth time, and no one's recognizing the inconvenience. It's not about the thing. I know stuff breaks. It's an imperfect world, but my gosh, this is my fourth time, and they didn't even say anything about, I'm sorry you had to come back again, Mr. Moore. You know, it's just there was something was missing in that conversation. So CPR stands for content, pattern, or relationship. And the idea is that as you're having a conversation with someone, is it a conversation that should be focused on content? Should it be focused on pattern or relationship? And I'll show you what I mean quickly because we do need to go. So content focuses on the first time that you've ever addressed the issue with them. It doesn't mean it's the first time they've ever done it. If someone has done something 10 times and you're just now telling them, shame on you. Right? But I don't get to treat you like you knew it 10 times ago. I've got to treat you like this is the first time I've ever brought it to your attention. I'm not saying I can't say you've done it 10 times, Rita. But I have to talk with you about this specific occasion and what my observation is, why it's important, and what I want to be different. Make sense? Because it really is about the, it's really about the content. So I'm going to go back to the example of someone being late. So if she's been late multiple times, and I'm now talking, but this is the first time I brought it to her attention, I need to talk with her as if it's the first time. Because it's her first time to correct the behavior. Got it? All right. Pattern focuses on a pattern of behavior. So let's assume that after now having that conversation, you continue to do it. The reason why I leave that conversation with you not feeling like things are fulfilled is because you people become masterful at getting you to talk about the content when it's really about the pattern of behavior. So this time Rita is late for work. Sorry to pick on you. This time Rita is, is, is late for work. And she comes in, and I said, you know, we had, we're starting to have a conversation. She's like, let me explain what happened. I got up this morning. My dog was sick, and so I had to get into such, you know, she said a whole story. There's always a reason. Is there ever not a reason? Of course. <laughs> in this case, it's a good, legitimate reason why she's late. What I end up doing is saying, hopefully you will say, I'm sorry about your dog. Is your dog okay? I mean, hopefully you're going to be human. But at some point, if I don't come back and talk to her about what's really bugging me, it's going to continue to bug me. Because today it's not about her being late. Today it's about a pattern of behavior that is not changing. 
It's the fact that you continue to do the same thing over and over again, having made a commitment to stopping. So even though you have a good reason for doing it today, it's still a pattern that's bothering me. It's not this one time that's bothering me. So we, what happens a lot of times in relationships is that we get into this debate about this individual time or get so swept away by the reason of this particular time. When what's really bothering me is the fact that there's a pattern of behavior that has developed, and that pattern is what has to stop. Right? Why? Because ultimately, it will impact our relationship. So now you continue doing it. And again, same situation, you've got a good reason, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, here's the problem. I'm starting to feel like I can't trust you. Because you tell me you're going to do something, and then you don't do it. It's not about how many reasons why you have that you can't do it. It's at this stage of the game that I'm concerned about my relationship with you. I've had to say to someone, honestly, I feel like I'm a father. Like I'm standing here waiting to see if you're going to do what you need to do. And that's not the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. I don't want to be in a father role with you. Because now we're not talking about the one time you didn't do it. We're talking about the fact that you continue to make commitments that you don't keep. And when you don't keep them, it affects our relationship. But if we're not talk, but if, the, if we're talking about content and the issue is relationship, you're going to always feel like it hasn't been resolved. You, and you've had that feeling because I know y'all have. You have that sort of dissatisfaction like that something's missing. That's well, because we're not talking about the real topic. The real topic was this thing. And again, whether it's a dog or whether it's a child, I'm not talking about being inhuman. And I'm not even saying continue with that conversation right now. Maybe the time to continue that conversation is tomorrow. After you find out their child is okay and all those things. Now let's get back to, but you still are continuing with behavior that you've agreed to not do. And, I, and, and that pattern has to stop. Because it's now beginning to damage our relationship. Content, pattern, relationship. So if I'm having a conversation with someone, personally or professionally, is this about this time? Is this about a pattern of behavior? Or is it about the impact that this behavior is having on our relationship? And this is the most difficult of the three to have. Because it's talking about the way it's affecting my trust, all those things that are important in this relationship. And so it's giving you an opportunity to change that. CPR. Any questions for me? It is five after eight. I apologize. I did not want to go long. I said I wouldn't, but my wife wasn't here to stop. Can I get your notes for next week so that I can. Yes. (laughs) So I can figure out how these responses are going to pan out this week. (laughs) What you can do is call me, though. I might. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of at my best in the moment, so call me. Can you just go with me on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> then you'll go from that to, can you just go? I'm not going to Anyway, I shall let you guys be dismissed, though. Thank you for everything. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.